everybody, welcome to, to this service, and I hope that you're at a place now where you can listen and just hear and respond to God's Word as we look at it together. I just want to welcome all of our church family. We, we miss you, and we are really praying that the doors open soon and that we're glad to see numbers move down across our provinces, but we continue to pray. But understand, we, we are actually really encouraged to see people growing in our church uh, some are gathering on Sunday mornings in two different time slots. Some are gathering Monday nights, Wednesday morning, uh, you know, and, and throughout the, throughout the, you know, at, at other places. I know at the coffee shop, Pastor Frank saw some of you gathered the other, the other weekend. So, you know, I'm just glad to see that you are using this time to grow, and, and I'm glad you could join with us now. Those of you outside of our region, we welcome you too. And today we are looking at a kind of a very unique situation. You see, we have a man who has heard about Jesus. He lives on the fringes of society, but the normal gossip has changed where this man lives because he's heard about this new guy that's kind of working around town. This guy has the capacity to cast out unclean spirits, caused quite a stir in the synagogue in Capernaum. Same guy uh, raised a woman who had the fever and continued to heal others and cast out more unclean spirits. And so for this man, he began to wonder, perhaps, maybe Jesus could help him. And so we find ourselves in this unique situation in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, where this man is asking the question, not can Jesus, but will Jesus help me? It's not a question of the ability of Jesus, it's the willingness of Jesus to enter his situation. So this man takes a step towards Jesus to see if Jesus would, in turn, take a step towards him. And so the story begins in the first slide here. It says, there a man with leprosy came to him. And maybe if you're familiar with the Bible, you've heard of this, you've, you know, you kind of just kind of glance over it. But understand, like in our day and age, leprosy isn't an issue. The World Health Organization has done a great job of eradicating leprosy throughout the world. There's a, a small bit of it left, but I mean, it's not the problem it once was. But you have to understand leprosy. And I'm going to read a little bit. And as I read, you're going to see a couple pictures on the screen. They're going to stay on there as I read. This is from William Barclay, who, who was a New Testament scholar and had researched this Leprosy. Just so you understand, I want you to get a visual image and to hear it and understand what we're talking about here when I say leprosy. This isn't just, you know, eczema. This is more serious. Now listen to this. There are three kinds of leprosy. There is nodular or tubicular leprosy. It begins with an unaccountable lethargy and pain in the joints. Then there appear on the body, especially on the back, symmetrical discolored patches. On them, little nodules form at first pink, then turning brown. The skin is thickened. The nodules gather specially in the folds of the cheek, the nose and lips and forehead. The whole appearance of the face is changed till the man loses his human appearance and looks, as the ancients said, like a lion or a satyr. The nodules grow larger and larger. They ulcerate, and from them comes a foul discharge. The eyebrows fall off, the eyes become staring, the voice becomes hoarse, and the breath wheezes because of the ulceration of the vocal cords. The hands and the feet also ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of the disease is nine years, and it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. The sufferer becomes 
utterly repulsive both to himself and to others. But it goes on, just with the picture up there still. There is anesthetic leprosy. The initial stages are the same, but the nerve trunks are also affected. The infected area loses all sensation. This may happen without the sufferer knowing that it has happened, and he may not realize that it has happened until he suffers some burning or scalding and finds that there is no feeling whatsoever where pain ought to be. As the disease develops, the injury to the nerves causes discolored patches and blisters. The muscles waste away, the tendons contract until the hands become like claws. There is always disfigurement of the fingernails. There ensues chronic ulceration of the feet and of the hands, and then the progressive loss of fingers and of toes until in the end, a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. The duration of the disease is anything from 20 to 30 years. It is a kind of a terrible progressive death of the body. The third kind of leprosy is a type, the most commonest of all, where the nodular and the anesthetic leprosy are mixed. That is leprosy proper. And there is no doubt that there were many lepers like that in Palestine in the time of Jesus. Now understand, we're dealing with a pretty gross illness here. In the biblical understanding of leprosy, other things could be included that, like ringworm, any kind of visible skin discoloration or, or oddities about the skin. They would often be classified in this determination called leprosy. But there was a bigger piece to leprosy than just the medical diagnosis. As gross and defiling and abhorrent and insidious as that was, the Old Testament law also talked about leprosy. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verse 45, it says, As for the diseased person who has the infection, his clothes must be torn, the hair of his head must be unbound, he must cover his mustache, and he must call out, Unclean! Unclean! The whole time he has the infection, he will be continually unclean. He must live in isolation, and his place of residence must be outside the camp. And so for the Israelites, God said to Moses, look, people that have these kind of infectious diseases can't be in the camp because it'll just spread through the camp. And so they, they separated them. It, it, had a, it, it was an appropriate way back in the law. But as time progressed, it became a significant social disorder as well, and that if you had any type of disorder that, that was called leprosy, you were now on the outside. It was worse than death itself. Barclay says in the New Testament, there is no disease regarded with more terror and pity than leprosy. Dr. Paul Brand was a surgeon in the last century that... Uh, uh, worked with leprosy patients, and he developed procedures to help you know, have them to, you know, restore their, their functionality, and, and he called it a painless hell. As you lost sensation, you would cut yourself, you would burn, and, and then, then that burn would, scat, you know, would, would blister and open up and get infected, and then that would spread across your body. It was a horrific disease. Sometimes People with leprosy, even in the last generation, would, would, would fall asleep and rodents would come along and nibble at their extremities. When he did surgeries, Dr. Paul Brandt, he would send a cat home with all leprosy patients so that there was a cat in the house just to keep them safe. I mean, it was horrible. But in the New Testament time, it was even worse than that because there was this social ostracization that came with leprosy. You were never on the in. You were always on the out. You couldn't participate in regular everyday life with everyone else because the moment you, you were diagnosed, you were gone. In certain rabbinical teachings, 
They said, if a leper put his head into your house, your whole house was considered unclean. If one was standing under a tree and you stood, walked under that tree, you were considered unclean. A leper had to remain a hundred cubits away if, if upwind and four cubits away, or sorry, if downwind and four and, and hundred cubits away if upwind. I mean, he had, he had to always be away and, and she had to always declare to everyone, unclean, unclean, unclean. One of the best, I think, a really good depiction of this is in that classic movie, Ben-Hur. If you haven't watched it, shame on you, because that's a movie everyone should watch. But in Ben-Hur, I'm spoiling alert, if you didn't watch it, it serves you right. Now listen, in, in Ben-Hur, there's these, this, uh, his sister and his mother are sent to prison, and in prison they get leprosy. And they're ultimately released. I'm not going to give the whole story, but basically they go into this, like a... You know, leper colony where, where, you know, people would lower down baskets of food, but people couldn't even come close to them. They're, they're living in these caves and, you know, little fires and, and wrapped up in rags. And, and it's, it's horrific. It would be better for them if they were dead. And so uh, the reason I'm giving you this background, just so you understand, when it says, now a leper came to him, we're dealing with a whole lot more than just someone with a bad skin or acne or some scar. We're dealing with, with this social disease that, and, and, and this, this cultural and ceremonial separation that was inherent within the Jewish system. Like, you don't come near those people, you stay away from them. And, you know, and unless they, they clear up and, and a priest certifies them as clean, they are never to ever have any contact with anyone who is clean. For this man to come to Jesus is a great risk. He is putting himself out there because he wonders if, in fact, Jesus might be willing to help him in his situation. And that, of course, brings us to the the full verse, verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. It says, Now a leper came to him, and fell to his knees, asking for help. If you are willing, you can make me clean, he said. So, so you understand, if you're in the first century audience, you, you kind of this collective gasp when this leper comes to the crowd, kneels at Jesus' feet, and, and, and asks him this, 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 this question. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Clearly, he believes Jesus has the capacity and the ability, the power to do this, but he's not sure if Jesus cares enough or is willing to do this. You've helped demon-possessed people. You've helped sick people, people with the fever, but would you help me? There are some people that feel like their situation is beyond anyone's help. And there was very little offers of assistance to the lepers in the first century. But as he's heard about Jesus and the things that Jesus has done, he's just wondering, well, clearly he has the ability, but does he have the willingness? Does Jesus care? And Mark piles these participles on top of each other. You know, he's coming to Jesus. He's kneeling at Jesus. He's asking Jesus, can, you know, will you help me? Are you willing to help me? Because you can make me clean. He's not just asking for healing. He's asking to be made whole again. To become a person again. To become visible and recognized and not just a nobody. I want to be whole again. Are 
you willing? Now the natural response when a leper would come towards you was for you to move away from him. For you to distance yourself from them. For you to tell them to get lost, to get away, you know, unclean and unclean and, and get everyone to, you know, kind of, you know, scare them and shame them out, out of your presence. But what we find the response of Jesus in, in verse 41 is very different than that. It says in verse 41 that moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be clean. This man takes a step towards Jesus. Jesus takes a step towards this man. And he says with this compassion, this guttural, visceral response to the needs of this man, clearly Jesus cares. Mark is letting us know this. Jesus is not indifferent. He's not, okay, oh yeah, get, get lost. You're, you're, you're well, get away from me. He is willing. He is responding with compassion. He is moving towards the man. He is touching the man. Now understand, if you touched a leper, you became unclean. That was the common understanding amongst the, the Jews of the day. To touch a leper would make you a leper, in the sense. You know, it's kind of like when you're, you know, in elementary school and, the, you know, the little girl has cooties and you touch her, you get cooties, you know, or a little boy has cooties, you know, and so it's the same idea but, but just magnified. But Jesus doesn't care about that. He cares about this man. Putting aside the social and cultural baggage that we're entombed this man and, and mummified him in his, in his medical condition, Jesus reaches through all that and touches him. And the opposite occurs as what you would expect to occur. Jesus doesn't become unclean. This man becomes clean. It says that in verse 42. The leprosy left him at once and he was clean. Boom. It's the reverse Clearly, Jesus has power over spirits, unclean spirits. He has power over fevers and illnesses. And now Jesus has power even over this. It's an illness, but it's also a, you know, a, a, a cultural and a ceremonial issue. And Jesus says, I am willing to be clean Doom, instantly. Is it possible that someone who is that righteous could pass his righteousness on, his, his purity on to someone who was considered unclean and unrighteous? Mark is setting us up for something here, I think. That, that there is this reverseness. I mean, sin spreads like leprosy, but could it be that righteousness could spread in, in, in even a greater power and greater extent through Jesus Christ? Immediately, Jesus, immediately the, lep, the leprosy left him at once, it says. And and then the response to Jesus to the man is, is interesting. It says in verse 43, immediately Jesus sent the man away with a very strong warning. I mean, the, the word, <laughs> the, the idea here is uh, uh, literally like a flaring of the nostrils or a snorting. I mean, that's the, kind of the, the Greek term there. Jesus is serious here. He's like, listen to me. And he says in verse 44, he told him, see that you do not say anything to anyone. It's a double negative. 
And he uses the strongest possible Greek construction of the verb to just be like, this is serious business, man. Don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to a priest and bring the offering that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus is concerned not only that now, obviously, his skin is cleared up. Like, he's gone from being this, you know, horrific, like, oh, look away, like, oh, you know, what is that? To like, wow, you know, oil of Olay commercial, you know, like, he's got this beautiful skin, and, and then, wow, who is this guy, you know? And, and, and Jesus is like, look, go to the priest, because I want you to be fully reinstated. Jesus had respect for the law. He came, and Matthew tells us, to fulfill the law. He's not just throwing away his Judaism and his, his Jewish upbringing. He, he's saying, look, 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 I've healed you. Now go and get that, you know, get that certificate and do it right. But also, one of the things that the Messiah was going to do, that would be able to do, is to cleanse lepers, to heal lepers. So Jesus was clearly showing that he was bringing in the kingdom of God as the Messiah. So in sending this guy over to the priest, he's basically sending his messianic calling card into the temple in Jerusalem and saying, look, I'm here. Because the guy would say, okay, yeah, you know, how do I look? You know, I'm bringing this offering for leprosy. And they're like looking at him like, man, like you got great olive skin. Like what's, you know, what's the matter? Well, I was a leper. And well, how, how come you're not a leper now? Well, this man touched me. Who's the man? Well, Jesus, you know, and oh, really Jesus, you know. And, and it, was, it was the messianic calling card for the temple in Jerusalem. That's what I believe. The other side of that, too, is Jesus knows that when he does these types of things, it raises anticipation within the people in Galilee. And, and, and there's this Jewish nationalism that just wants to, to just kick the Romans out and establish political dominance. And, and Jesus is like, that is not my mission. And I'm on my father's timetable. So I don't want this guy, you know, raising up, you know, all, all this hubaloo when, when I've got other things to do, mainly to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Like the, the, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent to believe the gospel. This is what Jesus is here to do. I want to spread this message and I don't want to just create a, a, a crowd furor. But this man is a threat to that because he's just had a significant experience. But Jesus is like, look, go to the temple, do the right thing, get that certificate, get reintegrated back into society as a fully bona fide citizen of Israel without any you know, defects or illnesses. I mean, do it right. And, and the man's like, oh, you know, you know, well, maybe not. Verse 45. But as the man went out, he began to announce it publicly. <laughs> And spread the story widely so that Jesus was no longer able to enter any town openly, but stayed outside in remote places. Still, they kept coming to him from everywhere. He can't help himself. He has experienced the touch of Jesus. And how do you stay silent when you've had that touch? You know, the Gaithers wrote that song, those of you that are selling gospel fans, right? You know, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Here he is. He's just going around. Listen, guess what happened? I'm like, hey, aren't you that guy? I'm that guy, but I'm not that guy anymore. I'm a different guy because he touched me. And he just tells everyone, and the popularity just swells as Jesus now is pushed outside of the populated areas into the remoteness, but people just follow him. And the, Why? Because there is something amazing about Jesus. Not only is he able, 
but he's also willing. He's willing. Jesus is willing to heal our sinfulness. He's setting us up for the next story in Mark chapter 2, which is a great story, which you need to come to next week to hear. He's setting us up for the story. But here, here's a man who's got leprosy. And in the Bible, leprosy is, is often a picture of sin. What would happen with leprosy is you would lose all sensation. You wouldn't smell, you wouldn't taste, you wouldn't feel anything. You, could, you would even lose your hearing as it affected all these outer organs of your body. And sin does the same thing to us. It dulls all of our sensitivities and we just become dull. We no longer feel life. And, and that's why people get stuck in addictions and other crazy things because they're just looking to get some feeling out of life. You know, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I just need a little bit of crack cocaine, or I need to go and, you know, gamble, or I need to do this or that. Because in, in those moments, at least I get a little rush of of something, but then it, then it dies away, and I don't feel anything. Sin does that to us, and sometimes you dig yourself in such a big hole that you're like, there is no way I'm getting out of this. But this story says Jesus is willing to jump in that hole and help you out. And maybe you need to take a jump and grab his hand as he leads down to help you out. This man makes a step towards Jesus. Jesus makes a step towards him, and he discovers the healing touch of Jesus, and he is made clean. And on a spiritual level, this, this story reminds us that Jesus is willing to heal our sinfulness. The Apostle John would write in his letters to the churches in Asia Minor, and he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and willing to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise that you and I can claim when we feel like, well, I've dug such a deep hole, no God, no God would never care to, to reach down and help me out. And John says, no, no, if you confess, he's willing. 100% willing. And so you, you, you might have built up a, a huge list, a rap sheet of, of offenses that you've done against God, against others, but understand this text reminds that Jesus is willing. There is no hole too deep that he can't help you out of. Clearly, he's willing. You see, because we have one of two problems. Either we deny that we have a problem, and we, and we, we, you know, we live in, in relative ignorance, but it's not ignorance, but we just pretend it's not there. Or, or, or we have such a big problem that we're like, God can never help me because it's such a big problem. But it, this text brings us together and says, yeah, you know, we have a problem, but Jesus is willing to help us with that problem. And Mark will, will clarify, clear this for us very clearly. Jesus didn't come just to perform miracles. He came to bring this message. And the message culminates, and as you follow Jesus, it's, it's not just to, to get what he can do for you on the outside. It's to bring the soul revolution. And the, the path of Jesus is a pathway to the cross. Jesus is on God's timetable. And so as he walks into Jerusalem and pilgrims are waving branches, Hosanna, Hosanna, he knows where he's going because he's told them three times already, I'm going to Jerusalem and we're going to get arrested, handed over, betrayed, crucified, but I'll rise again. And they don't hear it. they just like, boom, boom, I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You know, but Jesus is like, I know where I'm going. I know what I'm here to do. I am willing. Jesus walks by the Garden of Gethsemane as he heads into Jerusalem there, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to end up there all alone. He's willing. 
There's Judas walking with him, swinging the bag of, of, of coins, and, and, and Jesus knows, I know what's going to happen with that guy, but he's willing. Jesus prays in the garden, and, 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 and he's like, oh, Lord, this, this cup could pass, but, I, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus is willing. Soldiers come. Disciples scatter. Jesus is willing. Jesus stands tied up and beaten and abused. And, and, and there it is, the Son of God being treated like a common criminal, but he's willing. He hears Peter deny him three times. He's willing. He's dragged before courts, kangaroo courts, and, 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 and made, you know, mocked, ridiculed. And, and the crowd out there, at one point a crowd was saying, you know, hail to the king of, of Israel. Now the crowd's saying, crucify him, crucify him. But he's willing. They lie him down on the cross. His body has already been whipped to shreds by lashes, but he's willing. Nails enter his hands at his feet. He's willing. He hangs there and dies. He's willing. He's willing. And in that moment, all of us sinful lepers, unclean because by birth, we're sinners. It's our nature. Are given the opportunity to, to place our faith in one who dies in our place. And then later, he would rise again. And the, the plan is complete. Mark paints the picture for us. Here is Jesus. He is willing. Look what he's willing to do for you. Now, will you follow him? Are you willing to, to, to give your life to God? But, but you know, here, here's a man who thinks, oh, you know, no one can help me. No one did help him. But now he's like, maybe Jesus can help me. He takes a step toward Jesus. Jesus takes a step towards him. His life has changed forever. He tells everyone. J. Vernon McGee said, you know, he was quoting a preacher. He's like, you know, Jesus tells this man not to tell anyone. He tells everybody. He tells us to tell everybody. We tell nobody. Jesus is willing to heal our and Jesus now ministers his touch through us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. On a practical level, I'm speaking to you, to you guys that are followers of Jesus here, right? Like, is there someone in your mind, you're like, you know, I just don't deal with those people. I don't talk to those people. I'm afraid of those people. I, you know, I mean, I mean, this brings up any prejudices in your life that you might have, maybe hidden deep down, but you know, I think God's exposing that to say, is there someone unclean that you're afraid to touch? And Jesus is like, go touch that person's life. Don't be afraid. There was a nun in <laughs> India. She was a teacher in this lovely little school where kids wore nice uniforms and manicured lawns. And over the wall of this school was a slum filled with poor, dying, many lepers. And God began to move in her heart that she needed to do something for those people. And so she asked for release from her obligation so that she could go minister to the least of these. And her name would become Mother Teresa, left with the clothes on her back and five rupees to care for the least of these in India. Of course, the story continues. You know, she's established all sorts of hospitals, leper colonies, schools for the outcasts, for the, for the lowest of the low. She, she started a whole new order. But it was this type of thing where she said no one would touch those people, but she said, I will in Jesus' name. 
Jesus now ministers his touch through us. I remember in college, in my third year, I told the student ministry guy that was in charge of it, I said, you know, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. You know, I, I mean, I had my desires, but I said, you know, put me on whatever team you need to do. Every, every student had to have a ministry. I'm like, just put me on whatever team you, you, you need someone on, right? And of course, I had a few I didn't really want to be on, a few I really wanted to be on, but then he's like, okay, Mike, I'm going to put you on the hospital visitation team, right? So this is a team that gathered together and went and did services in, in the nursing home and then came back and, 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 and you know, I was like, well, that's nice. Didn't really want to do that ministry, but I'd thrown that out to God and he, he put that on me, so I went. Now, thankfully, I had a group with me and we would go and we would bring the residents down into the chapel. Most of them were in wheelchairs. About a third of them were coherent. A third of them were in various states of cohesion and, and, and clearly a third of them were sleeping or it's hard to tell you know, where they were, but, but they were there. And we would push them down to the chapel. And then we would do a little service. I had someone who would sing, someone would do scripture reading, and then I would preach. And, and you know, honestly, I mean, anything could happen in a sermon there. I mean, you know, a lady's yelling at me. I mean, I had a one lady, she just snored like, like a chainsaw right through my whole sermon. And, and, and then there were a few people, their eyes would be bright as they listened. Others are you know, drooling. I don't know if they're with me or not. But then, then we would take them back to their rooms. We would have lunch, and then we would go visit and then talk to them. But, you know, I learned to really love those people. And they were people. And I learned that, you know what, even if they they don't seem to be responsive, they could be hearing everything I say. As a pastor, as I visit hospitals, and sometimes a person would be quiet or not able to speak, I'm like, you know, I'm talking to them as though they are listening and hearing every word I say because I just assume that they can. It taught me so much about just loving people that are different or that scare you. We are the hands of Jesus. We minister his love to the untouchables in our society. And thankfully, there are missions all over the world that do that. They're going to places that no one else wants to go and doing things that no one else wants to do because of the love of Jesus. But maybe there's someone on your block. Maybe there's someone that you work with or in your shop or in the school where you work. I mean, maybe there's someone in your school and and, and no one else, everyone avoids them, but Jesus is like, you know, you need to show them my love. We are the hands, feet of Jesus. Of course, the third thing I would say is that you know, we, we need to share Jesus. I mean, clearly, Jesus, this guy doesn't listen to Jesus. And, and, and Mark, Mark, you know, every time he uses this idea of proclaiming, it's always positive in the Gospel of Mark. So, so while this guy doesn't listen to Jesus, Mark's like, but this is the reality with Jesus. You just can't stop talking about it. It's just natural, and it's, it's, it's okay. It just spreads, because the kingdom message is a contagious message. As I said when COVID started, the, the greater concern in our world is not COVID. It's the leprosy of sin that infects every human soul. And Jesus has given to the church local assemblies and bodies of believers all across our world the mandate to bring the healing touch of Jesus, the power of the gospel to their lives. He's looking on the inside first. And then as he transforms our hearts, it pushes through to the outside.
But we have this opportunity to share, to point people that are depressed right now, anxious right now, feeling the pressures of life right now, uh, discouraged right now, depressed with no hope of, for the future because of, of things that have fallen apart. But, but Jesus restores that. He brings our lives together from the inside out. It's a soul revolution. And of course, the next passage really brings that out. So you've got to tune in next week. But as we, as we kind of draw this to close, understand Here's a man that no one could help that Jesus helped. And that same Jesus is able to help you and me in every situation we find ourselves in. He's willing. So move towards Jesus today. Find his healing touch in your life and then share that touch with others. And tell people what Jesus can do and let him do that work in their lives. That's why we are here. Would you pray with me as we close? Father in heaven, I thank you for this story of life change because of the touch of Jesus. And I pray you would bring your healing touch into each of our lives. And I pray especially, Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would take that step of faith today Wherever they're seated and as they're listening to this video, they would just surrender their life to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and his healing touch and be made clean because of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. He died on the cross and rose again. And by faith in him, we can, we can be made new creatures in Christ and have a new reason to live and a new hope, a new identity. And Lord, I pray for our, our church family here that we would just be strengthened to share this message Open the doors of opportunity naturally for us to just encourage people with the good news of Jesus in our current situation. And so we thank you for your word. And we just pray for your continual guidance and direction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you could join us and as Shauna mentioned earlier, we are always available if you have any questions or concerns. But go out this week and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone. Encourage people with, with the love of Jesus in, in even little ways. But just be available to God as you move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. God bless you.